Hey, what you watching? Got a problem with cartoon? episode of Cartoon Night in Canada, a nostalgic journey to dig through decades of animation to find the good, the bad, and the just plain weird of Canadian cartoons. I'm your co-host Chris Lucy Antonio. And I'm your co-host Sylvie Kettles. And it's time to engage once again, Sylvie, in our favorite slash most worried about side series. We are weebs! Yes, that there's that, but I feel like when we get details wrong about any of our like mainline episodes, who cares? Right? Yeah. No like, one's gonna call us out for it because no one else knows. Like, oh, we got the uh we got some of the production dates wrong on Kevin Spencer. I hope our I hope people don't get mad about that. What? They don't know what Kevin Spencer is? Okay, never Perfect. mind. But we are dealing with anime, which famously does not have any type of completely unhinged fan base attached to it. Yeah, uh, weebs have no chill. Zero chill. It's true. It's true. And that's why whenever we... Th th these episodes are like my most uh, panicked about. Because I'm an anime fan. I do watch anime. I would consider myself a weeb. But... Fucking loser. I mean, yes. But that's not the only thing that makes me a loser. Um, <laughs> I have many layers to my loserdom. But, like, I don't obsess over anime as many do and i certainly don't get as mad as most people do when we get details when people get things about anime wrong yeah when you misremember uh one tiny sound soundbite from episode 18 of a 300 episode series and actually it was from episode 19 you poser that yes like uh that doesn't chat my dick as much as it chaps the dicks of many other anime fans. <laughs> yeah, I've I've definitely been subject to the uh, gatekeepy bullshit of anime dweebs. It's 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 rampant and it's ugly and please stop. Yeah, because as... I know more than you. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant by that. Yeah. Um... I, I feel like we're given a little bit of leeway here with these uh, Canada dub episodes because. Mostly, we're taking a look at a nostalgia perspective uh, about what we remember and our experience with it and doing some research on the side. And thankfully, because anime fans are the unhinged obsessives that they are, there usually is a lot of information we can just copy off the internet and make ourselves exactly. sound smart. Uh, and bonus points, because of the nature of this series, we're talking about the English dubs of these series. So the sub elitists don't care about it. They're not listening. No, no, no. Like, we, we have a very specific road into talking about whatever series we're doing. Yeah. So, like, I, I'm sorry we're not going to pick up on some of the symbolism of, of whatever series we're talking about or the very dense themes that are very specific to Japan. I don't care. We're not here for that. No, we never here for that. We are here to talk about 
why it sound like that. <laughs> wow, how, how, how's it taken three of these to finally... <laughs> That, that, that might be Come a better bit. That might be a better subtitle uh, for this series than Canada. <laughs> why it sound like that? It's not going to. I like Canada, but like yeah. why it sound like that? Like I, we are pushing why it looked like that as a thing for this show. <laughs> we are going to make I, it a thing. And I would, I would love to push why it sound like that for <laughs> Canada because yeah, that that is the question that we are trying to answer. Should we should we actually name drop what we're doing today? Yeah, so uh Black Lagoon, why you sound like that? Why you sound like that? So today we're taking a look at Black Lagoon, based on the manga by Rei Iro. The anime ad- adaptation was directed and written primarily by Sunao Ka- Katabuchi, and produced by Studio Madhouse in association with Genion Entertainment and Shogakukan. It was originally broadcast between October 3rd and December 19th of 2006 on Japanese airwaves. But, we don't fuck care all about that. that. Yeah, fuck all that nonsense. Who cares about the original release, or who was behind it? You think I want to talk about uh, Katabuchi, who also directed uh, Princess Alright and In This Corner of the World? No, I don't I don't you give th- a fuck. You think I want to talk about how Studio Madhouse was also in production on uh, Satoshi Kon's fourth and final film, Paprika, during this production? No. No, no, who cares about that? Like, that that has absolutely no bearing on this conversation, and will n- it's never relevant. Get it out of here! Because today, we are talking about the Canadian-produced dub, which was officially produced by Jenny on Entertainment with our friends over at Ocean Productions in Vancouver, stepping up once again to handle the workload. Yeah, so Jenny on got to just slap their name on the DVDs, and Ocean did all the work, scripting, dubbing, recording, editing. A, constant, a constant theme with Ocean Production, as we, we have been finding with these episodes. <laughs> Uh, the the unsung heroes of anime dubbing, but we're we're here to correct that record, I think. Yeah, we'll give Ocean their due. So just a little bit of background before we talk broadly about it. Uh, the English script was written by Stephen Headley, with translation and adaptation work done by Paul Baldwin and Kim Wishart Goddard, and the voice direction of the dub was done by James Corrigal. For the episode, we took a look at episode five of the first season. Eagle Hunting and Hunting Eagles, which aired in Japan originally, sorry, which aired originally in the West in November 23rd, 2007. I forgot that uh, we were talking about the dub there. Wow. I know, right? Like I just pissed away we, the entire yeah, premise of this side Yeah, we already decided we're not talking about how it aired in Japan. We don't care. I know. Uh, the dub originally debuted in Canada on October 26, 2007, as part of the anime current block on G4 Tech TV. I have a little bit of a history on this channel uh, later on, but let's start where we always start uh, with any kind of episode on the Cartoon Night in Canada feed. Sylvie, what are your memories of watching Black Lagoon? Uh, this was definitely from deep in my edgy high school anime watching phase. You better believe it. Fuck yeah, it was. 
I don't remember if I came across it independently at some point before or after I saw Black Lagoon, the fucking short version. Mm-hmm. A YouTube video from 2009 uh, where they spliced every instance of the word fuck in the dub into a three-minute video. So you better believe if that came first, that's definitely what inspired me because I was like 14, 15 and was like, wow, they said fuck. Yeah, the, the team behind uh, Black Lagoon Abridged really uh, really took the easy mode on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who needs to edit individual episodes? R- record original dialogue? No, just, just highlight the best parts. The best parts, you see. Uh, and to, I think to most of its like teenage audience, that would be the best part. Is like, yeah, the show's fucking metal. Yeah, it's a it's a more adult program than most of my other animes I'm watching. Yeah, but I uh, it, it was definitely a favorite in uh, in in my anime watching youth. Um, my my older brother owns the Genion box set release of Black Lagoon, which is now out of print and super mm-hmm. valuable. Probably not actually valuable. Not as much as uh, the Higurashi box set. I mean, either way, to a collector, it's, it's worth something because. Yeah. Uh, the, the whole uh, folding of Genion left a lot of uh, media in the ether. Well, Funimation got a lot of Genion's old library. And then released it up by themselves. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just beyond the Genion box. <laughs> that, that's it. That's all, that's, that's, all that, that's all we paid for. <laughs> that's the weird thing about, like, the most valuable things me and my brother own are largely, like, out-of-print anime DVDs. <laughs> Like, to a collector, though, to a collector, yeah. that is worth more than, say, uh, a Nazi painting. <laughs> by Hitler, maybe. By maybe. By, by maybe by Hitler. All I can think of is the line from the producers of Hitler, therefore a painter. He could do an entire apartment in one afternoon, two coats. <laughs> uh, that's a... Uh... That, that the Nazi from the producers would have loved to take part in the mission in this episode. Oh, absolutely, he would have. <laughs> uh, for for my memories of Black Lagoon, uh, I remember being I want to say mm, sixteen, seventeen years old when I first discovered uh, this show, and God, Revy was hot. She sure is. Uh, that would be the beginning and ending of my memories of watching. <laughs> no, um, I do believe I caught it on pro- possibly on G4 Tech TV in their anime block uh, when just a lot of paid uh, c- uh, cable channels were just buying up whatever buying up whatever anime they can get their hands on and putting them into very specific blocks uh, following the model of like Toonami and whatnot. Okay. Like, you know, uh, you had your Bionics on YTV. You had, I forget what, which, Teletoon had one too, I think. And I can't remember what it was called. Um, But uh, with G4 Tech TV, it was Anime Current. Um, There was another one called, I think, Anime Marathon? Like, Anime Unleashed was another one that was on, like, the US G4. It's just, it doesn't matter. Pick up the shows, put them on, put them into a block, broadcast them, That'll fill a couple hours. So it's interesting that you got a lot of your anime watching experience from 
like actual television. As opposed was, to what, like just illegal? Yeah, I, I mean, that was my, my entire experience of watching anime in like, I want to say from 2008 to 2016. I must say, Sylvie, I am ashamed. I know. To be associated with you. Uh, I have never once in my entire life watched anything <laughs> without paying for it. Uh, support the original release is what I say. Sure. <laughs> like, like you haven't. I know for a fact that you've watched something on GoGo Anime. Never heard of it. What? What is that? Is that, is that a subscription service that I pay for? <laughs> no, it's not. Huh. Well, that doesn't it's sound the, like me. It's the only place you can acquire the English dub of Sailor Moon. No, 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 no. I'm sure we had a uh, some kind of legal means of <laughs> watching that episode for. The uh, first episode of Canada Dub. So um, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. I I am an upstanding citizen when you it comes. You pay to your streaming. taxes. You you go to church. These are all true statements about me. <laughs> I don't know why that is making you so like uh, accusatory towards me. I'm so sorry. I was just trying to find any record of this site where I definitely originally watched Black Lagoon. Um, cause it was like, I can't, it's hard to describe it. Naruto is definitely on the header, but like they had just every single anime that they had alphabetically in the sidebar. And so that's probably how I came across Black Lagoon even was just like, okay, that. Hmm. And you're saying the site doesn't no longer exist, huh? No. I wonder why. It's almost like it was illegal or something. Yeah, maybe it was illegal. Yeah. yeah. For shame just, on you. I'm just admitting to all of my crimes. And using our podcast to promote crimes. See, but the thing was that after watching a show, my brother or I would then buy the good ones. Mm. That's why we have the Black Lagoon DVD. So I, actually... I, I... He supported the original artists more than you did by watching it on cable TV. I, I love how this is how you're justifying your crimes. <laughs> we'll, we'll move on for the sake of the podcast. We'll move on. But uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, Sylvia, I, I see you in a different light now. Knowing you're, uh, You've lost a whole lot of respect. Knowing your criminal background. I'd like yeah. to, I, when, when I originally agreed to do this show, I didn't know I was uh, signing up with a criminal. But okay. But I mean, agreed to. It was your idea. I know. I know. And, and I honestly, have better judgment. I'm just... I'm just embracing the uh, the morals of the main characters of Black Lagoon. I'm just being a modern day pirate. There you go. That's a, that's a good save <laughs> and a good we... segue. Hell uh, yeah! For the episode uh, today, we kind of jumped right into the middle of uh, one of the story arcs from the manga uh, that was adapted for the TV show. Uh, but just just broadly, what is Black Lagoon about? So. Black Lagoon is, originally it's the story of uh, Rokuro Kajima, nicknamed Rock. Uh, he's literally a Japanese salaryman. He is an everyday guy who just accidentally gets swept up in some piracy on the Indian Ocean. And he falls into the orbit of a small band of uh, modern-day pirates, uh, Revy. Dutch and Benny, 
and he sort of just goes along with it, even though he's he's not a violent guy. He is not cut out for this life. He's absolutely not meant for a life of piracy and violence. But Revy's hot, and he kind of gets excited by this action-packed life that he has never seen before. He likes the idea, because, as you said, he was a you know 25-year-old Japanese salaryman at the bottom of the rung of his company. Like, that, that is a dull and goddamn depressing existence. He is such an everyman that he's voiced by Daisuke Namikawa in the Japanese version. There's that, too. And when this offer comes, well, not the offer, they didn't offer anything. He just, they, they just took him. He's, so, yeah, he's kidnapped. W- when this change of scenery comes along, it's either you embrace it or you die and you get pushed over the the uh, the, the, um, the side of the boat. Yeah, you just get got in the midst of the Indian Ocean. So just go with it. Just go with the flow. Yeah. You're a pirate now. Congratulations. Yar har fiddle dee dee. <laughs> yes, that's that is the that is the gist of Black Lagoon and these pirates, uh, who who by the way call themselves the Black the the Lagoon Company and their yeah. ship is the Black Lagoon. Uh, just just do jobs for uh, some shady characters. Just whoever's paying. Just who who is ever paying. Sometimes it's the mafia. Sometimes it's the triad. Sometimes it's the Russian mafia. Sometimes it's a weird art collector with a fetish for Nazi stuff. It's a fucked up hobby. It's a fucked up hobby. Uh, so the episode we watched, Eagle Hunting and Hunting Eagles, is in the middle of a mission to recover a painting alleged to be done by uh, that guy, Adolf Hitler. You know him. The mustache model? Yep, that's the guy. Uh, loser idiot? Yeah, no one likes him. Yeah. Except for uh, the villains in this episode, a neo-Nazi group who is trying to steal the painting as a symbol of their movement. So just the, the Lagoon Company runs afoul of some Nazis and murders the shit out of them. It's so fucking cathartic. Honestly, this this arc is is something that I should probably return to more than I do because my god, it's so fucking awesome to just just enjoy some Nazi murder, you know. You w- want to tell them why you uh, chose this episode? Well, I chose it because of the Nazi murder. You you, you chose I, it because of the Nazi murder. Um, I I was torn between two arcs. Um, I was thinking about doing the Greenback Jane arc. Just because um, the voice actress who plays Jane, uh, also plays Diana in Martin Mystery, a future episode. Oh, you better believe it's a future episode. That's, we're we're really we're really holding on back on that one. That that is just a in case of emergency break glass episode. <laughs> we we have we have several boxes of. Uh, that contain Canadian series that we feel will really set the internet on fire. Kelly Sheridan. I had to look Kelly Sheridan. Um, because that hearing a voice from my childhood call Revy a fucking bitch really shattered a part of my brain when I was a teenager. It's it's one of those fun things of um like going into a dub of an anime and recognizing so many Canadian voice actors. It's like, but Blah, 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 would never say that. 
because because it's so far out of the kind of material that they'd be doing on Canadian television. Yeah, yeah. There's also um, Patricia Blake or Patricia Drake, sorry, who plays uh, Bella Laika, and sadly does not appear in this episode because I love Bella Laika with my entire being. Um, her voice actress, also from another future Breaking Case of Emergencies episode, uh, plays Vicky Kelly in e- being Ian, <laughs> and I love her. But no, no but, I decided to settle on uh, Nazi murder because, man, I love it. But I think it's jarring enough uh, to hear uh, Marie Kendricks, uh, who plays famously plays uh, Susan Test on Johnny Test, uh, <laughs> playing Revy. That's right. That, that, that's I think that's enough of a jarring kind of uh, experience, hearing that voice say those lines of infinite nihilism and fucked up loving violence chicanery yeah so before we get into uh the nuances of the dub itself and talk a bit about uh what it's like i have a little spiel uh prepared here for the channel that this this uh show aired on by all means so in canada uh black lagoon aired as part of the anime current uh block on g4 tech tv what is G4 Tech TV, I hear you asking? What is G4 Tech TV, Chris? Little, uh, you're, you're a little off the mark, but thank you. Sorry, thank you. I, I missed my beat. <laughs> uh, so G4 Tech TV was a Toronto-based uh, subscription channel, and it was a Canadian offshoot of US channels Tech TV and G4. Su- surprise. Makes sense. Uh, and it was broadcast through Rogers uh, Cable Services. The channel was available between 2001 and 2017, and mostly focused on tech-based programming, consumer reports, review shows, and a fucking shit ton of video game-based programming. Like Black so th- Lagoon. I'll, yeah, I'll get to that. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> but this is where stuff like uh, Reviews on the Run, Attack of the Show, X-Play, Electric Playground, uh, like all of those kind of video game culture, like uh, like obnoxious mid-2000s video game culture would kind of fester and become the identity of this channel. Gotcha. So think of like Spike TV. You you know that channel? I'm aware of it, yep. Now imagine its nerdy little brother who is nevertheless as misogynistic as his older brother. That's kind of G4 Tech TV. No, I was was on the internet during Gamergate. Oh, yeah. Um, Inevitably to fill out the schedule, uh, it's because you know it's a, it's a 24-hour channel uh g4 would go to a like a rebroadcasting a bunch of other program that's kind of in the kind of in the ethos of video game culture but not exactly video games or tech so you get a lot of uh, adult swim shows programmed into their schedules you get a couple of anime blocks and whatever esoteric stuff they could get licensing for until it closed its doors in 2017 to having 16 years on the airwaves in Canada. I had this channel. Really? Yeah, it was part of um it was part of the cable box subscription that my parents had. If and if I remember correctly, if for whatever reason my memory is this good, I believe it was channel 253. Oh, nice. I that's don't quote that, but I think that <laughs> nope, is the channel. Nope, it's quoted. It is in it is in stone. And despite all of its uh very very baseline kind of video gaming stuff that I was into. I like this channel also uh, broadcast the 
E3 presentations every year. Incredible. So that, that felt like a big deal. That felt like a, a nice thing for uh, the channel to have as part of its programming. But yeah, mostly it was just whatever they can get their hands on, whatever anime, whatever Adult Swim show, whatever. It, like its identity became what video gamers' identities are now, largely. God, E3 is basically like the Super Bowl ad for nerds. Yep. It's a, it's a more pathetic San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, that, in, this, um, it, in this broadcast airwaves of weird video game review shows and uh, reruns of Space Goes Coast to Coast, Black Lagoon was also there. I mean, that kind of makes sense for uh, a video game-based programming block. Like, Black Lagoon does definitely tick the same boxes as like, a first-person shooter fan would be looking for. I mean, there's that, but also, um, famously, uh, the the hosts, uh, the, the female hosts of Attack of the Show and X-Play, uh, I forget their names, but uh, a, a big replayed moment from both those shows is when they dressed up like Slave Leia. Ah! So, yeah, this is the audience that G4 Tech TV was courting. And you know what? They would probably, they probably latch on to the wrong things to latch on to with Black Lagoon. Yeah. They, they would take away the wrong appreciation for it. Revy's hot. Revy is hot. Can you blame anyone? Sure, just don't look into her character anymore. <laughs> just don't think about it. Don't like, think uh, about how utterly broken she is as a person. Uh, a basement-dwelling incel with a Rick and Morty t-shirt is watching Black Lagoon and says, I can fix her. No, she'll murder you. <laughs> Especially if, like, he finds, if she finds out what kind of stuff you're posting on 4chan. Right? You you little Nazi. You absolute schmuck. Okay, well, that's just a little uh, spiel about G4 Tech TV. Let's talk about the dub. Let's talk about the dub. Uh, so we have a return to a couple of our friends over from Ocean Group. Uh, Brian Drummond as Benny. Is making always on call. Always he on is call. Always for them. there. Brian Drummond is always ready to hop into the booth. And um, it's a very, it's a very recognizable voice he's doing here. Like I've definitely uh, heard the kind of like th- this very specific register he's doing for Benny. Like it's very similar to some of his other characters. Yeah, he's definitely pulled this voice out in uh, I don't know one of the Barbie movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> I was thinking about it. Like, I think I've definitely heard this performance in a Barbie movie. I feel like uh, almost all of this cast has been in a Barbie movie, probably. Oh, guaranteed. That's what pays uh, the bills. Uh, dubbing Black Lagoon didn't pay shit. <laughs> no, dubbing Black Lagoon, I mean, first of all, Canadian dubs are non-union work. Yeah, we need to fix that. Yeah. If, um, if we can do anything with Canada dub is that we can promote the idea of anime uh, dubbing industry unionizing. Unionize. Your voices are worth more than you think they are, people. Okay, uh, Marika Hendrick has done Barbie movies. Oh, we're actually going to check this. Okay, I'm, okay. I'm just checking, because I have all, all four open right now. Uh, Dean and, Redman does, has not done Barbie movies. Ah, uh, but with that slick-ass voice he's doing? Right? He's got to. Like, come on. He should. <laughs> Hasbro, get on this. His performance as Dutch is frankly incredible uh and brad swale was in just barbie and the three musketeers that counts yep (laughs) good i'm I'm glad we got to the bottom of that of 
who was in a Barbie movie. That that'll three, be three out of four of the of the leads. That that'll be your uh, fan fiction corner for the Canada Dub episodes. Yeah, because I don't need to check for anime fan fiction. I know it's there. Oh, I know there are like thousands of Black Lagoon yeah. ones. Because uh, because Revy be getting with everybody in those. Revy fucks is the thing. I mean, I sure. Looking at this, uh, uh, looking looking at uh, this little brief uh, toe dip back into Black Lagoon, uh, this is a woman who can only get aroused by a very specific thing, and that's violence. Violence, yeah. I was, uh, we were talking before how you watched the entirety of this arc, this three episode arc, and how like Rebby gets extremely horny when she is given a gun that can fire underwater. <laughs> And and to be fair, uh, Mary Kendra's, uh, it's a really, it's a, it's a decent job she's doing for Revy, where I, you can only do so much when your whole kind of character motivation is annoyed over it, like, bitchiness. Or just, like, completely dead inside. Yeah, like, it's a very, it's a very limiting kind of character for Revy, uh, because most of uh, the interesting things about that character happened in her backstory. So now she is just a violence-obsessed blank slates uh who who nihilistically believes cash rules the world so yep so even so even as as she's going through a whole nazi murder rampage she's just very matter of fact and controlled and cold and for what it's worth uh like hendrix uh does breathe some life into that yeah you can hear a bit of bitterness behind everything she says where like Mm -hmm. she's she's obviously pissed off at a world that forced her to become like this. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's a brilliant performance. I think all of our leads give pretty stellar roles. Like even, um, uh, e- even uh, Brad Swale as Rock, uh, who, who, who again, as, as we've been just kind of dancing around is not a great character. He is kind of like, uh, he's, he's kind of like an avatar for the audience. But not even, like, a fun avatar, because his, like, yeah, pathetic, uh, he's got, you think it starts to come across as, like, oh, he's just a very empathetic person, like, he cares about and values human life. Then he starts, like, sympathizing with uh, the families of a dead Nazi, and it's like, buddy. He's a wet blanket of a human being. Yeah, it's like... I don't give a shit about this Nazi's Nazi wife and Nazi children. Let Revy steal medals to sell and make bank. And that's probably why, uh, in this episode at least, the strongest thing that happens is the exchange between uh, him and Revy in the in the U-boats. Yeah. Where, oh. like, he, where uh, Revy is just bouncing her very uh, dark and tainted view of the world off of him. And he's like, what happened to you? <laughs> You're fucked up. And, like... <laughs> Her response is, yeah, because the world yeah. is fucked up. Now give me that Nazi medal. Yeah, and if you try to shame me for doing this ever again, I will kill you. It's so funny. I like uh, this this three episode arc, uh, of which is like the neo-Nazi arc, I guess you can call it. Uh, sure. It just ends with her saying, like, I don't want anything to do with this guy. Yeah. Like a- after going on a brutal bl- bloodbath of murdering a whole team of neo-Nazis pretty much single handedly. She's more pissed off at Rock than anybody. Absolutely. Because she's like, look at this fucking fence-sitting asshole who's gonna call me an asshole 
for murdering Nazis. <laughs> like, that's the one, like, don't get me wrong. Revy is not all there. Like, she is not Absolutely well. Not. She is but, a broken individual. But also, in this episode, she wants to kill Nazis. So, you yeah, know what? She's right. Let Point her. to her. <laughs> Let Revy kill Nazis. Oh, and does she ever? <laughs> this, is all, uh, this episode also contains one of my favorite Benny lines, uh, which he, he and Dutch have a really fun convo about Nazis on the boat while they're waiting for the other two. And Dutch is saying, like, oh, what do you think about these guys? You know, you're a white boy. What do you think? And Benny's just like, you forget that I'm Jewish. Fuck the Nazis. It's a family creed. <laughs> oh, and uh, and like that whole movie. conversation starts with an incredible line by Dutch where like this is kind of paraphrasing where it's like you start with some useless guy, put him on a podium, give him some power and you got a marching ego tripping fool. Yep. It's like, yeah, that's neo-Nazis entire worldview just broken right there. <sighs> Can we also just talk about how uh, much this the show portrays its neo-Nazis as not necessarily powerful, but as a bunch of whiny piss babies who happen to have powerful guns and use them willy-nilly? Yeah, and we, we get uh, we get two standout performances among them. Uh, we get Brian Dobson as Kruppenfeller, the, uh, the one chosen to go recover the painting by the neo-Nazis. And we got Richard Newman as Rockman who is like the leader of the the neo-Nazi brigade. Yeah, and the two of them just bouncing off each other, like verbally jerking each other off in in Aryan rage is it's delicious. Just, it's such just a pathetic display. <laughs> as like, it should be. Yeah, as it should be. Like it's so much more interesting. I find a lot of people can very easily slip into the territory of like wanting to make neo-Nazis look cool and like they're powerful bad guys when it's like no they're bitches can you believe that uh we got a beast wars voice actor like right <laughs> off the bat because right uh, Rich richard newman was rhinox yeah he's not a nazi thankfully <laughs> not that we know of no no we know that we know come on they're, they're, they're maximals they, they, they are pure i don't like the way you said pure mm, layers mm -hmm. But no, uh, Rockman's like the, the performance of Rockman or Rachman or however you want to pronounce. Uh, who cares? Yeah, who who cares? He's a Nazi. Um, yeah, fuck him. It, it's it's a really kind of sniveling, uh, like order following, as you said, piss baby. He's a piss baby. Small pe small penis baby boy. And and uh, Brian Dobson's performance as uh, Kruppenfeller is even more pathetic because like. You can just tell uh, from this this whole kind of like arc we have here, they really, really believe in this shit. And isn't that sad? That's the saddest thing, especially when you place them against uh, the Lagoon Company, who don't believe in anything. Yeah. So it is like an ideological fight at the end of the day, as much as it is one about just murdering some Nazis. Oh, do you do you remember how uh, how Rockman bites it? I don't see. I didn't watch the whole triad again. Okay. Well, after um, a after the whole after the whole massacre on the U boat occurs, and it's just Rockman uh being dressed down by a superior over the phone for failing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Revy and Dutch break into the office, and Revy says, "I bet you he's gonna. I bet you he's gonna go for black." And Dutch goes like, oh, "It's not a bet. Of course he is." And then Rev. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then and Revy throws him one of her guns and he puts it to his head, sniveling, crying like a little bitch. Yes. And then points at Dutch and fires and it's an empty uh it's an empty magazine. Naturally. And then Revy goes like I told you he'd bet on black. And then and then Dutch shoots him with his shotgun. Beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. You love to see it. Uh I I can't remember, but is like the uh the, the voice that Brad Swaley or Swale is doing. It's like it's really similar to his Light Yagami voice, isn't it? Don't know what you're talking about. It's really similar to his Light Yagami it's voice. It's basically identical. Which you know what is fine, but it's just so funny. Uh, those two characters couldn't be more different. <laughs> oh yeah. Like one is the most confident seventeen-year-old to ever exist. The other. Is the most pathetic twenty-five-year-old ever. I I have thoughts. Please, that's the whole point no, of this podcast. No, on on Light Yagami, and I do not want to talk about Death Note right now. That's a Canadian bell. We're going to get to it, aren't we? I know we're going to get there eventually, <laughs> but not today. Today is all about Black Lagoon and how it slaps hard. It does. Uh, I was a little bit worried. I think we mentioned uh, returning to this that the the edginess would get to me because again, this is a very barbed uh, look at the world. And yes. you know what? After, because our previous fucking episode was Kevin Spencer, <laughs> which couldn't be more edgy. Oh, it tried. But yeah, whereas like Black Lagoon seems to have like a genuine, it, it, like it is a barbed view of the world. It is a deeply nihilistic view of the world, but there are always like these little glimmers of hope. And it's nevertheless a consistent philosophy. Yeah. We're like, yeah, these these characters have beliefs, minimal as they are, and that worldview changes how they interact with this fucked up world around them. And like, say what you will about um, about Revy, uh, Revy Dutch, and uh, Benny's view of the world. At at the very least, it's well explained. Yeah. Like, I, I can't take away uh, their very cynical view of the world because knowing what they've gone through, knowing what uh, business they're in, I would probably have the same view of the world. Or I'd probably be the, the person that was, like, before Rock who ended up dying. Yeah. <laughs> you're, just, you're just a chuckle fuck who gets swept up in something bigger than yourself and you either survive or you don't. Um. The, the Revy line specifically that's sticking out to me, which, again, it's there's so much weight added to it by uh, Hen- Hendrick's uh, performance. It's how other people die is how other people die. Yeah. Like, who who cares? Like, yeah. here is here is a abandoned U-boat full of bones. How they die? I don't care. I'm here for a painting. Yeah, don't, don't think about it. That's, I mean, that's also a fairly true statement. Like, that, that kind of struck a chord to my life as well. Just like, don't think about it because you can't, you can't pause to think about how every single dead person died. Otherwise you're going to get sad. Yeah. So just don't just think happy thoughts and move on. Oh, Revy's not thinking happy thoughts. No. Well, she's thinking violent thoughts, which is one and the same for her. Yeah. Th- those are happy thoughts for her. Yeah. No, she does tell Rock to think happy thoughts because he's yeah, a just... crybaby over dead Nazis. Like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> just, just in her... Are, are you being serious right now, voice? Yeah. When he, We've already talked about it. When, when he shows her that photo of the family of this Nazi officer, it's yeah. like, oh, he going to get it. Like, yeah. oh, she is going to unload on him for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the, that is like the most uh, 
tense moment in the entire episode even when like a like a nazi uh ambush is right around the corner it's like oh shit is he is she gonna kill him now because she might she definitely (laughs) could have in that moment like is this boy serious right now like is this asshole fucking telling me that the probably dead family of this dead nazi deserve this dead nazi's nazi medal more than me it's like she lights up the cigarette okay Time to ruin this whole, this trying to ruin this boy's whole worldview. <laughs> Give me two minutes. I mean, that's functionally the show is just like <laughs> Rock trying to inject some semblance of like hyper idealistic morality into Revy's worldview and her just going, no, I'm not, fuck you, no. Like he's the conscience of the group and all the group resent him for that rather than yeah. like appreciating him for like, uh, injecting a little bit of humanity into their work. It's like, fuck, again with this rock? Jesus Christ. Yeah, absolutely fucking not. We are pirates, sir. Yeah. That's even, there's a character in the later arc who calls Rock out on how he's lived his life like this, uh, where she accuses him of living in the twilight, where he can't make up his fucking mind whether he's going to fully embrace the life he's living or just leave and go back to a nor- an ordinary life. And she's like, well, you can't have it both ways. You either live during the day or you live at night. Yeah. Make up your goddamn mind. Uh, any other, like, uh, any other notable uh, characters from this episode, this cast? Because, um, like, voice actors, rather. Uh, because th- despite, th- we, we picked this art because of its themes and uh, what it showcases, which is just wonderful stuff. But also, it's like, it's very limiting on the, on, on the like, character list. Yeah, like it's mostly it's our four protagonists and like a handful of spare Nazis. One of which, one of which was uh, John DiMaggio for whatever reason. One of which was John DiMaggio. Like I like I don't even think that character is named, but uh, one of the Nazis (laughs) who gets absolutely murked by Revy with her underwater machine gun. It's just John DiMaggio. Yeah, just hanging out. That that is a voice you can't mistake. I did find, uh, digging into, like, stuff about the Ocean Dub of Black Lagoon, a lot of people really angry at how Ocean Dub's uh, sound mixing works. Is that right? Yeah. What specifically? Like, uh, they don't, like, uh, background noises are mixed a little louder. There's, like, a kind of fuzziness to the voice recordings. That, are, like, like... Yeah, I, I kind of hear it. There's, like... It almost sounds like they, like, it, it deliberately sounds like they are recording in a very isolated booth. Like, there's no, it's it's very thick sound to it. Hmm, I must have not Which, noticed. Like, I definitely didn't notice it the first time I watched the show, but then once I had it pointed out, it's like, yeah, it kind of is like that, isn't it? But they were talking about how um, a lot of ocean dubs sound like this, like Shakugan no Shana, even some old DBZ bits. Just have like, uh, uh, the voices themselves sound like a big hug. Okay, well, actually, now that I'm looking at, it, I'm seeing some like forum posts and some complaints about like, w- which all have the similar title of why does the audio in Ocean Dub sound fuzzy or off? Why do or, it sound like that? <laughs> or muffled? Like, why do it sound like that? Well, we're here, uh, random forum posters, to tell you, yeah. I, Vancouver is just a fuzzy place. There, it's just fuzzy, but, but, and like but, honestly, it's it's only as annoying as you let it be. Is there like a consensus um, among the uh, like Black Lagoon fandom of which is better? 
the dub or the sub? Uh, I think it's one of those cases where, like, if you said I watched the Black Lagoon dub, you wouldn't get ostracized instantly. There's that, and also I think um, it preserves uh, the foul language. Yeah. Because uh, sw- swearing in Japanese just isn't the same. It just doesn't have the same oomph. I, I feel like... Uh... Because I, I don't remember specifically, but I think this is one of the shows that's often used as an example of, like, the dub improved upon the sub. Yes. It... Not necessarily in sound quality, but just in terms of the storytelling and uh, clarity of a lot of the characters. Yeah, one of I think one of the really interesting things that they do occasionally, uh, unfortunately not all the time, um, is they actually do play with how multilingual this place is. Um Right, because it takes place in Thailand, right? Yeah, their hub world is the fictional city of Roanapur. Um, And so sometimes they actually have characters speaking other languages. Like there's one part where uh, Rock goes with the Russian mafia back to Japan. And uh, Brad Swale is actually speaking not super great Japanese, but like it's about as good as those Japanese actors speaking English and being quote-unquote natural English speakers. Um, Probably about as good as as Mel sings the uh, opening theme. Don't you dare. Look, English is not their first language either, okay? It's not, but it rips. Um, (laughs) But so Rock is acting as the Japanese translator for the Russian mafia. And that's something that just straight up doesn't happen in... The original one to my uh, to my understanding like everyone's just speaking japanese and we're sort of supposed to believe that balalaika and and company are speaking english there you go yeah like the the dub actually does get to play around with that a little bit not as much as i think it could have well there's also the uh, the feather in the cap of this dub where even in 2007 was kind of a rarity where an actual black voice actor voices Dutch. What? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's definitely a um a big red flag in just the voice acting industry in No, no, his name is Redman. D- Dean Redman was the voice actor, not Red Flag. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> Go on. Well, as I was about to say, um, a lot of uh, black voice actors, especially, have been rejected from the industry because their voices, quote unquote, sound too black, especially in the anime industry, <sighs> where, like, even though 99% of the characters in an anime are Japanese and therefore not white, you guys, they kind of just pretend that they are white just for the sake of uh, racism. <sighs> So it's it is rare to see uh black voice actors especially get to play black characters or if they get to break into the industry at all. Remember with um the Sailor Moon dub where the uh people were saying they sound too Canadian? Mhm. That's all I can think of right now. Just yeah. what do you mean? <laughs> what, what what do you mean, guys? They sound too black. Well, I got some news for you. Uh, they are. Yeah, it's crazy. 
I think it was an old interview, but I think it was with Dean Redman that I read probably back in like 2012 or something where even he was saying that like he got rejected from a lot of roles because of that. Yeah, I'm looking at his uh, his IMDb and his Wikipedia. He doesn't have a lot of anime credits. Not a lot. And that's fairly common for for black voice actors is that it's just like, um, well, none of these characters are black, so. Yeah, I'm like, if you want to uh, be a like a voice actor, like exclusively in the industry, it's like your roles are not uh, going to be many. Like if this is the attitude they have towards uh, casting. Yep. So like, and good. I don't know if it's changed in the past couple of years, but probably not. Let's be honest. So like good on uh, Jenny on in ocean for tapping a, a black actor to play a black character, but also it kind of inadvertently perpetuates this whole issue where it's like, well, you can't, this is the role you can play. Yeah. White people can play any nationality. It doesn't matter. Like, I, isn't Revy Chinese, for God's sakes? She is. Um, yeah, America Hendricks is uh, Bahamian, at least. Mm-hmm. But that's certainly not Chinese, guys. There, there's a whole obnoxious debate to be had about this, which people get really fucking passionate about for no reason. Like... The purity of their again purity neo Nazi ha 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 the purity their purity of their anime is going to be ruined if they hear a black voice, right? It sucks. Yeah, I didn't expect the, this uh, the to be like the the conversation topic as part of Black Lagoon, but considering <laughs> considering this episode is about neo Nazis, it's kind of important. <laughs> I I think we should touch on it. Yeah, and, and considering like. The incredible performance Dean Redman does as Dutch. There are a shitload of racists in anime fandom. That's just a fact. But anyway, back uh, <laughs> back on track here. Um, th- this was an interesting one to do as part of Canada because Canada, rather, because so many of because uh, c- the the whole uh, the whole fun of doing these episodes is to like compare and contrast with you know, like purely Canadian television shows that these uh, sure. voice actors have also been a part of and say like, well, that's an interesting place to have that voice and see where like the kind of depths of their career. But we, we don't get a lot of that with this cast. Not a whole lot. No. Like they're, they're not, they're, there's these uh, specific actresses seem like actors and actresses seem so much more dedicated to anime than anything else. Yeah. Like especially Brad Swale. Like I think his only, other huge role outside of anime was as Nightcrawler in X-Men Evolution. And there's and that. that. That show is anime adjacent to begin with anyway. And we, we mentioned uh, Johnny Test and uh, Merrick Hendrick's role as uh, Susan Test on there, but she, she also did uh, uh, what, 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 shit, what was the show? Um, totally Spies. Yes. Like she, she was like a side character on that. But, but mostly, mostly it's just all anime dubbing. Oops, all anime. <laughs> that's it's not that's not as good as uh, why it sound like that. <laughs> uh, my one claim to fame. Anything? Uh, any other territory left to um, cover with the Black Lagoon anime dub? Uh, the problem we we came into with this one is that uh, this being a two thousand seven release show, the the anime industry was 
the anime dubbing industry had things more figured out than uh, the kind of Wild West that was the 90s and early 2000s? Yeah, they, they had it figured out, but they also very much didn't have it figured out um, because uh, this this dub came out like months before Genion collapsed. Yeah, I guess we can get a bit into that. Um, Genion was not long for the world. No. The like, same year, uh, same year this dub came out, uh, it closed its doors. Yep. 2007-2008 were not good years for the North American anime industry. Like, it was chugging along nicely, but um, a lot of higher-up corporate interests got involved, and, like, a lot of pioneering companies were absorbed into larger bodies, and, yeah. And now it's all Crunchyroll. It's Crunchyroll all the way down. Because it, it was so interesting how, like, on this idea of, like, all of these defunct... Uh, anime-related companies that started up with the anime boom. It's like, they uh, they appeared on the scene, got their money while it was good, and promptly folded within, like, sometimes, like, 10, 15 years. Uh, Genion was, like, that. like, Genion lasted 20, which is shocking. Well, cause, yeah, they were, they were Pioneer originally, and then they got involved in um, Genion as, like, a parent company, and they were doing all their di- distribution in North America, and then that just... Didn't last long for them. No, and then like, uh, the, like I, what was it? Uh, ADV. They closed two years after. Yeah, and well, they ADV is weird because it folded, but in a way that they got to still exist, and now they're Sentai. Yeah, but so, Fan, yeah. Funimation got most of their library. At like same deal with um, uh, Genion. Yep, you can now watch Black Lagoon on Funimation. Which, you know, at least uh, they don't go through that uh, legal rigmarole where they have to release their own dub in order to lay claim to owning it. Yeah, it's not like something like Vision of Escaflone where they've had to redub it and functionally erase the original dub, which is good because the original dub of Black Lagoon rips. Yeah, like, and that work matters. Like, uh, the work put in by Genion and more more to the point, more Ocean. Importantly. More important, Ocean and all that cast, uh... It, it matters that uh, that they put the work into a very specific part of what made Black Lagoon what it was. Yeah. Oh, geez. And then, like, what? Uh, Bandai Entertainment folded, like, three years after that? Yes. Fucking hell. Yeah. And there was um, Central Park Media also folded. I think it folded even earlier because there used to be a, a New York-based dubbing company. They're, they're gone. Yeah, that that's... <laughs> That is something that we probably will come across a lot as, as Canada goes on, is that here is a series done by this company. That's dead now. That, that company does gone. not exist. But that's the other problem with so many of these. It's like the dot-com boom. Where it's like everyone is trying to uh, get into this new industry all at once. It's like, well, this can't last. Yeah, the, the anime bubble was not long for this world. It was never going to be long before it popped, especially in like the early mid 2000s, where companies like ADB started getting a little buck wild about it and being like, we're going to release a a calendar and we're going to none of our DVD boxes will come in a normal shape. We're going to release the Gantz DVD box set as a ball. Oh, what do you mean we're out of money? (laughs) Wait, what? But we have Robotech. Shut up. (laughs) You're dead now. 
but we spent all of our money on Evangelion. And we're happy about that. Now, please go to your grave. <laughs> now, go to sleep. R.I.P. Genion. Or ADV. Yeah, so... Also Genion. Also Genion. <laughs> but you, you're right. Uh, like, the anime industry was... Uh, the anime dubbing industry was at least... Uh, at least new to... At, at the end of the day, respect the original releases. And there were, there was an audience now for like, they didn't have to sell it to kids. Like this is, a, mm -hmm. th there is no black lagoon version where they can't say hell. Like, <laughs> they, they, they black can't have any blood. Yeah. Black lagoon is what black lagoon was for the uh, Japanese release. So props there, but also it was just not a sustainable bi uh, business model. And, you needed these larger than life multimedia companies uh, like NBC Universal Japan and and Funimation to really pick up the pieces. Yeah, yeah. This is the first. This is the first Canadian dub where like there aren't massive edits done to the original narrative. I didn't even think about that. Is that verifiable? Well, because the other ones that we've done are. Oh, like, at least on yeah, yeah. yeah okay, on, on this that we've uh, feed. talked about. Yeah, not the first ever. I don't know what the first ever was. Maybe we'll find out. <sighs> Fucking probably Astro Boy. Because <laughs> uh, what's the change? No. Uh, well, first of all, the kid's name, right? No, oh, he's yeah. Ast no, he's he is like... He is Astro in both. Mighty Adam. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Like uh, Adam Boy or something like that. Yeah. So never mind. I'm full of shit. Get fucked. I know I will. So this is this has been another kind of a discussion on um, the the weird uh, side world of Canadian animation that is the dubbing industry, which is nevertheless important to understand the broader uh, picture of Canadian animation. None of this animation was produced in Canada, but nevertheless, we lay we lay some kind of claim to it. This is this is ours. Kind of, sort of. Yes. You made this. I made this. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, the two, it's the two characters in that comic where the one handing him the thing has like the Madhouse logo on his head, and the one re like receiving it is Ocean, yeah. has the Ocean logo. It's like, like I made this. You made this. I made this. I made this. <laughs> More accurately, it's uh, Jenny on and Ocean, with Jenny we on being like, you made this. I made this. Yeah, I think I, I mentioned that that's part of the other thing that we want to do with the series is like really put up the uh, the Canadian companies that did all the dubbing on a pedestal. Yeah, like in like, this instance, credit them for their work. Yeah, like we've we've done three American companies, uh, Deke, Genion, and Funimation, who were all like the main distributors, and they were the one who ones who got to slap their name on the on the anime and on the uh television run but at the end and of the day the bill. yes whatever <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day it was ocean and uh whatever the name of the studio who did the sailor moon i've already forgotten it was it was a lot of the times it was this tiny canadian crew putting in the legwork of making the sellable product happen yeah yeah and uh that's that's kind of important to remember like it's it uh, how Canada in this uh, very early stages, and this is like something that we're re re re, re sorry we reiterate on every episode is that Canada has a very specific role in uh, anime fandom in the West. 
And we want everyone to know because we're inseparable that way. We are so fun at parties. Like, oh man, did you know? Like, I uh, Sailor Moon that was a big part of my childhood. Oh, did you know that what you heard as a child were actually Canadian voices? And they're probably like, yeah, I'm also Canadian. Who invited you? I let myself in. <laughs> Who invited this guy? Like, dude, you're gonna have to leave. But okay. But but I. I have so many facts on the <laughs> on, on, on the dubbing of Dragon Ball. Wait, you need to no. I I know so many of the actors who played uh Goku at different stages of the wait why is that Mace? L listen, no, listen, listen. Beyblade has a very interesting history when no, it comes to dubbing. Have you heard about ADV? Okay, okay, I'm literally. <laughs> okay, uh, I guess that's going to uh, call it on this Canada Dub episode. Um, Black Lagoon it's holds up. Fun. Yes, Black Lagoon holds up much better than you think it does. I was genuinely surprised um, to see that Black Lagoon, the fucking short version, still only has like 350,000 views because I'm pretty sure 300,000 of those are just me <laughs> rewatching it as an edgy teen. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you once again for listening to Cartoon Night in Canada, uh, as, and more specifically, our sideshow Canada. If you like what you heard, please consider uh, following us on Twitter at Cartoon Night Pod and giving us a nice rating on your podcatcher of choice, preferably Apple, Apple Podcasts, because that helps us reach the oh. widest possible, shut up, widest possible audience. I have been your co-host, Chris Lucy Antonio, and you can find me on Twitter at Cinema Creep. And you can find me at Sylvie Skeletons. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, weebs. You're all a bunch of weebs now. You are one of us. <laughs> <laughs>